Welcome to the SOB Podcast. Everything fun about family dysfunction with your hosts, Shannon Livingston and Joe Lobosco. This podcast covers it all from mobsters to motherhood and strip clubs to Sunday school with candid conversations on everything from surviving to thriving. Son of a bitch, SOB podcast. I'm Shannon Livingston, one of your hosts, and my co-host is the son. And I'm Joe Labosco. So much energy. So glad to have you here. How are you? I'm pretty good. I know that you're riled up. Oh, you were not speaking to me. Talking to our legions of fans. Okay. Glad that you're And it begins already. So today we are talking about all kinds of different things. Mm -hmm. And we actually got the idea for this show based on previous shows that we've done because some of them involved some precarious moments and moments of of decision-making. And so we have said several times, well, you know, what would you do if you were in that situation? And so today we're talking about various scenarios, some hypothetical and some Some not and some not. And we have changed the names of the guilty, the innocent and the ones that we don't care to to figure out. (laughs) It's just not our business to tell. And so we've changed their names. But we have some fun stuff and some serious stuff because I know you don't like to get too serious. But, uh, I, yeah, but I can't be too fun either. Gotta keep it zany. Well, I don't know about I zany. I don't actually know what the word zany means. So <laughs> we'll just move on. You had that big dictionary as a kid, and then the internet just really ruined you. Your brain is mush now. It's too easy. That dictionary was ridiculous and excessive and wound up injuring a very important member of All right, that's society. a different story, and we've already told it. So speaking of that story and mm-hmm. stories that we've told on previous episodes of this podcast, we've kind of talked about the, the tiger training when that went wrong and what that girl had to do to get out of that situation. Uh-huh. And, you know, I said, well, what would you do in that situation? Would you do the same thing? And for people that don't know what I'm talking about, go back and, and listen, listen to, to episode four the- and you'll know. But we kind of put some scenarios together of crazy things that have happened to to our friends as well. And sure. one of the first ones, which just sounds so crazy, is your friend Jose. And he has a mother that is... Is, I don't want to say manipulative. I've never met the woman, but, but by, manipulative. But by all accounts, she's manipulative. He is on the autism spectrum and very gullible, and also just kind of a mama's boy and wants to make her happy. Yeah, and he's she, very sweet. He would never want to, you know, yeah. do wrong by anybody, and that can sometimes problematic. So she has put him into situations where she's taken advantage of him Mm -hmm. to varying degrees. But most recently, or one of the biggest things she she tried to do was to get him to have a bride from Vietnam Mm -hmm. for the money that the family was going to pay to make her a citizen. Yeah, exactly. And he wasn't going to get the money. He was just going to get the bride. Well, yeah, they told him he was going to get the money. But, you know, I mean, you know how that all it wasn't that much money either. He starts telling us about this situation that some lady his mother met at the nail salon who starts talking about her family and this whole business proposition, basically, that they can, you know, everyone comes out on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what was the proposition? The proposition was that he go to Vietnam and get, you know, get to know these people and come back with this lady 
to marry her in the United States. How old was she? 45? So she could become a citizen. It's very hard to tell. I've seen pictures, but, you know, she could be, I mean, she was definitely over 18, but, you know, she could be 22. She could have been 35. I don't, it's hard to tell. And I so don't how, think she spoke English. So how much were they offering to pay? About t- the last number I heard was $20,000. $20,000. And he has to marry her, stay married. They have to live together for however long. Until Just she gets to make it look convincing. Yeah, something basically the, the goal was to get her her citizenship mm-hmm. and then he gets paid and she goes off and does whatever. And at first he was like, hey, I'm thinking about it. Right. Well, yeah, he was excited. He was, you know, <laughs> so he's sad. like, oh, look at me. And, you know, I get a lady and we're like, no, dude. <laughs> I don't think that's what's going to happen. And so thank goodness he has friends like you that have good intentions for him. So we explained to him, uh, A, the level of risk associated with something like this because. Well, he didn't even realize it was illegal at first, right? He might have. He's not stupid. I mean, I think he. I think he knew. I don't know, but I think he knew it was illegal, but maybe not how illegal or like what the penalty for something like that is. Mm hmm. Also, he had just gotten back from Cuba, which would also be on his, you know, travel record. So we're thinking, yeah, this is not going to end well for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we explained to him all of the different layers of what could go wrong here. And he's talking about, oh, you know, they're going to stage some pictures. And I was like, how long are you going to be there? He's like, about two weeks. I said, OK, do you think they're going to notice that you're wearing the same three outfits in all of these pictures and that your hair hasn't grown and like, you're supposed to show this long, like, so you show him the era of the plan. Let's keep moving through this story. So we explicitly told him do not, you know, cause they were going over there for like a meet and greet basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, over there is Vietnam. Vietnam. Okay. We told him don't get on the plane. Mm-hmm. And of course, because you were afraid he was going to come back with the wife. Or that it not wasn't, come back at all. That it wasn't going to be a, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, a trial know run. That they were going to be like, you know, in Vietnamese. Right. Have a ceremony and nod his head like so, weekend at Bernie's. And you, there you go. Pretty much. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we didn't know who these people were. What kind of, you know, if they're involved in human trafficking, so to speak, basically, there's usually more bad things going on. They're not so, feeding orphans on the side. Yeah, no. So... He got on the plane. Yeah. And I, we found that out last minute and we're freaking out for about two weeks about, you know, what's he doing over there? And then he starts posting things on Facebook and like he was there. He was in Vietnam mm-hmm. hanging out with this girl and their family and they were going to restaurants and, uh, you know, I guess they just kind of hung out for a couple of weeks and nothing really happened. And then they said something about, you know, we'll be in touch or, you know, something mm-hmm. to that effect. And then when he got back, I guess he eventually told his mother that uh, he wasn't interested. And then that brought up a whole new potential set of problems of, okay, well, you know, what if these people retaliate? Well, I don't think they're that way. powerful to do that. But we what don't I know. don't understand is why didn't she just let him touch a boob? And then he would have been more with the plan. He wouldn't have backed out. I think she did, but we don't need to get into that part of it. But oh, well, maybe the situation required a little bit more. Yeah, no, he backed out because we told him this is not a good idea. It's not going to end well for you. You're going to go to prison, yeah, federal prison, which is not be good. So what happened? So it, the whole thing. Well, we had considered several different scenarios of what to do with him. We were going to you know hide him here. We were going to send him to Michigan to live with another one of our friends and change his name and go completely under the radar. Because, again, you know, we don't know who these people are, what type of connections they might have or, you know, what happens if they're just angry. So 
nothing really wound up. You know, that was the when he told them no, I guess they moved on and probably found some other idiot to try it. But what an anticlimactic story. Uh, so would you do that? Would you defraud the United States government to have a mail order bride for money? Not for the amount of money they were going to pay him. No, but for more, you would consider that? You no, know, probably not. Just because if I'm the one orchestrating the deal, then OK. But if I'm the one that never pans out for that guy. See, I think it, that is a very manipulative uh, situation where I would be comfortable with just advertising for a wife, which is something that I've talked about. Yeah, you, know, you don't really want a wife. You want an assistant. Right. Which is why it has to be a wife instead of a husband, because a husband I have to take care of, but a wife is going to take care of me and uh -huh. that's what I need. Okay. So I need somebody that can do a little bit of like data entry and run my errands and take care of the dogs and, you know, cook dinner, like all the stuff that I'm too tired to do. That's what she can do. And if she's living in some shithole country somewhere and wants to be a United States citizen, fine. Come be my wifey yeah. for three years. I'll give you great health insurance and, you know, do what you want to do. Just not at my house. And, you know, then we'll get a divorce like every other American couple. Like then she'll be truly American because she'll she'll have her first divorce under her belt. Yeah, no, I would not be willing to. You don't want two mommies? I would not be willing to defraud the U.S. government and deal with INS and Homeland Security and whatever else for a lump sum of cash. But, what you know, I, what I don't understand, though, is if I get my wife and we're both happy about it, we're probably a happier married couple than most married couples in the United States. Yes, yeah, because you're not so, actually a couple. This is a business transaction. Well, right. But marriage is a business transaction for most women. Financially. And for most men, they get tired of going to those fancy restaurants. They know they can have chicken at home. Okay, yeah, a different set of expectations, I understand. Look, if you want to get a mail and order wife, I guess that's I, up to you. Really, if I had more time to research it, I, but, I would probably uh, have one already. She's going to rob you blind. No, because we would have a prenup. I'm not an idiot. Right. I know how to get married and divorced. Because someone who's willing to come into this country I've done it. illegally... But it's not illegal. And we have a business arrangement. Yeah. So, all right. Next scenario. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of on. illegal, here's a segue. We have a friend who we're going to call Esteban. <laughs> and he is because he is Hispanic. And so it matters with the story. It's not just that we need to point out everybody's ethnicity and color. The of other skin. friend in the other story is also Hispanic. Well, see, now you're just being racist. Now you're just throwing stuff in that is not necessary. So Esteban is great guy, family guy, mm -hmm. has been a friend of mine for I don't know how many years. As long as we've been here. One so. of the, yeah, the first people I met in Naples. And so over the years, I have found out that he has this story in his past and that he actually has done a little time and it has caused some issues for him. And the reason that he has done time is he found drugs floating in the, I don't think it was the Gulf. I think it was Miami, actually. Uh, it makes more sense. Yeah. Um, he was out with his friends surfing all day. So, yeah, it had to have been the other coast. And they had the big drums of however many gallons that is. And it was full of weed. And he said that it was wet and awful and smelled terrible. Mm. But And he had not been a drug dealer before that. But he said that he, because they had so much of it, because there were a few of the right. barrels that, that were washing up. And so they all divided it amongst themselves, dried it out. And they were able, because they had such a large quantity of it, and it was 
so bad quality, uh-huh. people didn't really care that it was because it was so cheap. They didn't complain. And then they came back. So they had the money to buy better quality stuff later. So he actually got his seed money uh, from <laughs> that hits the business rolling. from this weed that was and yeah that was floating. That. And so every once in a while, you know, an article will hit about somebody finding a kilo of cocaine on the beach and he'll send it to me. And But I don't think that there are too many people that wouldn't pick up a kilo of cocaine. However, it takes a lot more effort to take a big old I think a lot 55 of people, gallon drum or whatever it is. I think a lot of people say that they would. I think the average human being who's never dealt with anything like that before probably wouldn't if it actually happened. They're the dum-dums that I read about in the paper that go to the police and turn everything in. I or found all just, this cash and or, all these yeah, drugs. Yeah, Here or, you go. Or they just leave it alone and say, okay, that's somebody else's problem. So here's where Esteban's skin color comes into play. Hey, sure. Uh, you know, because we did have a conversation about, well, now that you've done time for this, this thing that happened, would you do it again? What if you found drugs, you know, floating up again? Would you take it? And the fact that he is Hispanic, he's like, yeah, I don't think so. And I mm-hmm. said, you know, I bet I could walk right up in my little, you know, sparkly bikini and my Gucci purse and just throw a couple keys in there and walk away like no big deal. And if the cops asked me like, hey, what are you doing? I'd be like, oh, I was on my way to turn it in. And they'd be like, oh, OK, thanks. That same story may not work for him. But, but- so if you found drugs. Would it be an issue of morality or just distribution network? Oh, it would definitely be more of a logistics issue than yeah. anything else. Like, I don't know how to unload this. I might right. as well just Yeah, I don't there. have the network in, or the time or, you know, the space to store it or what. It depends on how much, what it is. But would you leave how it much there, there is. for maybe a kid to discover or would you call the authorities so that they could clean it up? Because you can't just leave like guns and cocaine lying around the beach. Well, I feel like irresponsible. calling the authorities could go one of two ways because I've wa- I watch a lot of TV and and we know that's times, all true. <laughs> well, you know, you see the guy who goes to the cops thinking that oh, you know, they're gonna do the right thing. That's the uh, yeah, and then they're in on it the whole time and they're working for the drug lord and Mm -hmm. you know so then you know too much and that's a movie so let's get back to what would you do but some of those things actually happen but so would you pick it up probably if it was drugs but and then try to sell it because it doesn't have any value sitting in your closet well yeah you know i know but uh well like i said it depends on you know what it is is it a drug that i know that's easy to sell Mm -hmm. for one thing and uh you know, is it how large of a quantity is it? Are we talking a pound? Are we talking 50 pounds? Like there's well, now a you're talking weed. big difference between, yeah, but there's a big, or, or a kilo or, you know, whatever. So what about cash? Cause that's different too. Big, well, cash. You don't need a distribution network for cash. No, but somebody might be looking for but that cash, cash raises red flags. Yes. Cash is easier to follow. So cash, I probably wouldn't touch. Really? Just, so you would take the drugs, but not the cash. That's interesting. Well, again, how much cash? We're not it does into matter, it. though. But It's a broad stroke discussion. We have other items on the list. Commit to an answer and move on. The drugs I might take because I feel like I can turn that into money. If it's already money, 
you know, if That's it's too easy, and if you it, don't well, want it? no, if it's an amount that I can just take and you know deposit into my bank account, no questions asked, and move on with my day. Oh, now that you see, you're you would be a horrible, great. horrible criminal. Don't ever go into a life of crime because no criminal is like, oh, let me just deposit this money into my bank account mm-hmm. so I can responsibly I make could my have car payment. Won the lotto, sold the car. They don't know. They do know because that all comes with documentation. Okay. Again, well, horrible right. criminal, okay, which I'm proud I, of. I'm glad I, that you're not. All right, criminal. then I put it in my mattress or whatever. But you know, if it's a million dollars, then yeah, no, I'm not picking that up because someone's going to come looking for that money. They're going to figure it out, and then I can't spend that money when I'm dead. Yeah, you would need somebody to launder it. Same so thing with a large quantity of cocaine. If you find anything, you're going to need to call your mom because I'm kind of oh, no, the one. There are one several people that, I could call who could handle the situation. I am doubting your abilities. But the next scenario actually happened. So there was a time when you were um, maybe three years old and we rented a house in a not so great neighborhood. And it was an older house that had the big picture window. All the Still older, not a great neighborhood. Or all the old houses in that time period had the big picture windows. Mm-hmm. And we had a pull-out couch. And, of course, we didn't have any money. So we celebrated with food and movies all the time. I loved that couch. Food and movies. And when you're three and you pull the, the sleeper sofa out, that becomes a slumber party. And so our friend, uh, I think we're calling her Millie because we don't know where these Millie stories are going to go. And they may go somewhere that she doesn't like. So, mm-hmm. so Millie. Billy was over as she usually was, and we had the sofa, the hideaway pulled out, and we had a movie on the TV. And we're all sitting there in the front room, you know, eating popcorn or whatever. And I realized out of the corner of my eye that somebody had unscrewed the light bulb on the front porch. That's never good. Not good. So, you know, not good because, of course, they have intentions of coming in without anybody seeing them. Mm -hmm. And they can clearly see inside that we're home and that it's two young women. Let's see, if you were three, I was 24, you know, and then Millie was 23. So two women and a small child and they could see us and they were coming in anyway. So that was my big problem mm-hmm. was they're not necessarily looking, you know, for money. And this was not a neighborhood that had a lot of money. However, I think I was also selling weed at the time. And so maybe they had known that or thought Heard there was cash. Or, right. So that was a possibility for them to to pick our house. But so they unscrewed the light bulb. And I you don't ever know what you're going to do at that point, because if you would have asked me, I would have said I would have, you know, called 911, tried to lock up, go into a a closet, bathroom, lock the door, whatever. And that's not what I did. I actually told Millie to do that. I said, take Joe, although you were Joey at the time. So I said, take Joey into his closet, call 911. And I turned off all the lights as I was telling her what to do. Right. Turned off all the lights inside. Because they were able to see us and I didn't, that was an advantage. And so that was the first thing I did, turned off all the lights, threw you guys in the closet and I started running out the back door, picked up butcher knife because my gun actually was, I think I didn't have it in that house. Cleaned or something. No, I think I didn't have it in that house because I didn't have the safe yet. I think that's what it was Ah. because you were three. So I was trying to be responsible, but I didn't have a gun. Sure. So I picked up the butcher knife and ran out the back door. And I remember just screaming at him, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for you. I called the police. They're on their way, but I'm coming right now. And I just started running toward him. And they were like, holy shit, this big. 
it's just crazy. These two guys ran down the street. And then by the time the police showed up, and I stayed out there because I didn't know if they were coming back. And it took a while for the, the cop car to show up. And, you know, my thinking, of course, was... Whatever happens, let it happen to me, not to my kid. As mm-hmm. long as I can be the distraction outside and keep them from getting inside the house, that's right. all I wanted. It, it wasn't about everybody surviving. It was really just mama bear instinct of this is not happening. I'm not going to lie down and let you, you know, do whatever to me in front of my son. And even if we would have survived that emotionally, we never would have survived, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a movie that I've seen that I don't want that to happen in real life. So the cops showed up and I explained to them what had <laughs> happened. They still wear the guys. And I said, you know, I they took off. Yeah, I came out with this <laughs> knife and told them I was coming for him. And they, they ran down the street and they were like, don't ever do that. <laughs> you know, like, what are you thinking? That is the dumbest thing you can do. And I'm like, listen, they're not here. You know, they're not here. I, I did whatever was in my head. And I really, I just didn't think about it. And so I think that's the point that we really wanted to make. With a lot of these scenarios, it's fun to talk about it, but you don't know until you're in that position what you're going to do. You don't know if you're going to run out the door with a butcher knife or lie down and play dead or whatever it is that people do. Anything to add to that? You're just going to look at me with a glazed overlook. In that that situation, I would probably do something similar. I don't know if in the moment I would You would go after them? The intruders I'd fight, you know, I'd have to I'd put up a fight in some whatever way I could, you You'd know, go down swinging. Yeah, absolutely. I'd like to think that whatever scenario I'm in, if I go down, I'm, I'm going to go down swinging. You I'm going to make well, you work. And for the it. cops can say whatever they want about why would you do that? But they're like, look, because I'm alive. Well, but you think about it, it would have taken them what 30 seconds to get into the house and a cop car takes yeah, I mean, yeah, five to seven good, minutes right, to get there. A, a few minutes for them to get there. So, you know, by then, potentially, it's all over. So, yeah, I would find either a sharp or heavy blunt object and, you know, say some sort of, maybe not prayer, but. But would you go something. after them or would you, would you wait for them to come in? Because I think now I would have the sense to wait for them to come in, but I also have a gun all the time now. So, like, if I have a gun, I'm going to let you come in, and then probably I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> but if I don't have a gun, then then I'll meet you outside. I think that's those are my lines. See, the advantage of being outside is then maybe you get someone else's attention, and then that, you know then they might just take off because, oh, there's too much going on right now. Right. But, yeah. I don't and, know. I, and I came out yelling like yeah. as loud as I could. That so, was the point was not just to scare them. The heading them the off attention. outside is an interesting wrinkle into that. I, but, you know, again, what I think of that in the moment, I don't know. But either I'm going outside or they're coming inside. But either way, they're, you know, they're going to leave not in the same condition they showed up in. Okay, so speaking of criminal behavior, there is a good segue. Another interesting scenario where I think I would know what I would do, but this gentleman did something totally unexpected. I have a friend named George Martirano, and he is a gentleman that has served a very lengthy prison sentence, 32 years for, he actually got a life sentence for uh, cannabis. And so that's how I met him with my cannabis education work and being at conferences. And and I would hear him speak about cannabis in prisons and uh, just sentencing guidelines and, and all sorts of different things. But one of the things that made this gentleman really exceptional was how he chose to do his time. 
first of all, he didn't rat anybody out, which I have respect for. And he was connected with the mob in Philadelphia. And Mm -hmm. so anytime there was something big going on with the mob up there, they would throw George in solitary. And so he, he did hard time is, you know, what I'm saying. It, it wasn't easy for him. It's never easy, but it was especially rough. Balls yeah. and listening he, to music. he did years of that time alone in one of the, in the hole is what they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a prolific writer and he was looking at dying in prison. Like there was no chance. It was a life sentence without parole. Right. I do believe. So getting back to George and the way that he chose to do his time, he created educational curriculum that was actually adopted by the prisons for these prisoners because he started to educate them that, you know, the guys that couldn't read and he wanted to educate them on conflict resolution and, you know, basically things that would keep him or keep them from coming back. Uh So he wanted to make a difference and he didn't have to. You know, he could have been bitter and a hard ass and killed people and he had nothing to lose. But instead, that's what he he chose to do. He's really a remarkable person. So he was being transported on one of the airplanes that they call Con Air Mm -hmm. that has all of the, the prisoners on it. And one of the prisoners somehow was able to hijack that plane or made the attempt was going to and George talked him out of it. So George actually stopped a hijacking of a Con Air flight and again, didn't have to. You, know, you mean he talked him out he, of it? Yes. And by all accounts, George is the one that talked him out of it, stopped that hijacking. And he was released from prison, you know, I think a year later or something well, like that. See, because when you said stop the hijacking, I thought you meant he like hit him over the head. No, I, I think he incapacitated I, him. I, I don't think that's what happened. I think it was more. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe uh-huh. he violently took him down with the no, other prisoners. Bit, you know, if you're a convict and I'm you're trying sure to hijack I'm not sure how it plane, all yeah, went down. But I don't know the, how you talk someone off that list. By all accounts, it was George that stopped the hijacking. Right. So here you have a man. He's done 30, 31 years at this point for cannabis. I mean, that's, of course, an issue, uh, you know, close to my heart, but for this plant and he, he could have been free. You know, he's in a plane that uh, one of the fellow prisoners is, is willing to, to take off and, and take it wherever they're (laughs) going to go. That was his freedom. And so it wasn't just that, you know, he didn't want that other guy to do that. He gave up his own chance at, at escape. So that's kind of amazing. I don't think I would have done that. I think no. I would have been like, let's go. Especially if I was <laughs> looking at the situation that he was like, you know, if I know I'm not right. going you no anywhere. Hope. You then, have no hope. But that's yeah, like, the thing. Okay, is, let's go to Mexico. George not only had, I don't think he had a, a hope of getting out because that was unexpected when he was released. Sure. But I think he he had a sense of of duty. He had a sense of purpose, really. He had a sense of purpose. And that was to make sure that every prisoner, every inmate that he came into contact with was the best person that he could influence them to be making the best decisions for themselves that, that they possibly could. He was very empowering. Well, see another reason why I might be inclined not to do that is because there's a lot of social politics in an environment like prison and, he was a, he was doing, a king at that point. Well, yeah, but anyway. doing something like that could potentially be seen as siding with with the man, the guards, and the authority. And yet, so then maybe not that's only, why they let him out. And they don't like you because you know that's their job. And then yeah. other inmates don't like you because, like, so I don't know. That one's 
tricky, but I would probably just stay in my seat, keep my head down. Mind your own business. See what happens. But, you know, well, yeah, I mean, everybody likes to say that they, you know, would love to be the hero or, you know, could be the hero. But in a situation like that, you know, I mean, I don't know if the guy was armed or what's yeah. going on. But even in everyday life, people will do anything to avoid the confrontation. Sure. So if you see your buddy's girlfriend and she's with somebody that's not your buddy, you're not going to tell him. <laughs> because that's a confrontation. You're not going to change that relationship. I, well, I've done it and they get mad at me. Well, it, it depends on, like I Burned said, when we talked about this the first time, I think that depends on how well you know the person, you know, how deep that risk level of if trust and respect friend is. And it's his wife. Then yes, I would then, say yeah, something. You might have a conversation. If it's like an acquaintance that I'm probably not going to see that often. And I'll let that be their problem. Because if you're seeing it, chances are someone else is seeing it and they're, it's eventually going to come to light. Very rarely do people manage to pull that whole thing off. But, you know, even in business, I've, I've had situations before where things have happened and I've said something to a friend and they've said, oh, yeah, he did something similar to someone else. And I would say, well, why didn't you tell me? And people are not being the whistleblower is they, not easy, right? It's not it's not cool to be a snitch in any form. And I really think it's it's not any type of moral code for people. It's that person might be useful to them in the future and they don't want to burn the bridge. No matter how awful their character may be, some people can just never burn a bridge where, you know, I'm a little quick to burn them. If you, uh, just a bit. Can you show me anything at all distasteful and I like flamethrower don't need you. Uh -huh. <laughs> I have these people over yeah. here that I like. You that, might be setting the bar a little too high, but you know, but I don't think you can set the bar high when it comes to character. It, it's really about what you're comfortable well, with. Okay, but then, but then you get into the question of is character your priority do you, do you or know, is like survival you said, your priority right yeah do you need this person to be honorable and, or do you so, just need them to be them along that that same line and i think this is the the last one and it's an old old debate of prostitution and um, you're saying would i be a prostitute probably yes, not like what is well that's not true because if i said for five dollars you would say oh no but if i said five million when i said would you have sex with the man for a million dollars you said what does he look like no i said who's the man what no, what color is his hair <laughs> <laughs> what i said was who's the man okay so that shows that you're open to negotiation so, but everybody is, everybody has yeah. a point. So we can act like we have morals or we think we know what we would do in a scary situation. We think we know if we would fight or if, if we would flight. I, I mean, guess, I'm going to fight more it. often than not, but it, if I don't freeze, if I, I have a that. clean, if I have a way to get away clean, then I'll do that. But if my options are fight or lose, mm -hmm. then obviously I'm going to fight. Yeah, I'm tougher but than I am But if my options fast, are fight so I, I or get anywhere. away, then, you know, common sense says get away. Well, you should always avoid the conflict. Sure. And the confrontation. Right. But if the conflict comes to you and there's no way out of it, like. Or if the kilos of cocaine come the, to you. Right. On the beach. Uh, you know. God wants you to have them. I might be changing my answer from before. Maybe <laughs> I would take the money and not the drugs. I, I don't know. It does. It makes a little more sense. But, uh, but the point is you don't know. So when you're going along in life, I think it's important to kind of have a, a reminder to yourself all the time of who you are and, and what you stand for, because things do just pop up. You don't well, plan yeah, I mean, for you know, kilos I, yeah, on I'd the beach. I like to think that I am an honorable person who leads a fairly honest life, but also, the you know, some of these 
circumstances have never come up. So well, I don't the, know. The libertarian in me mm. really believes that there has to be a victim for there to be a crime. So I'll leave, well, I'll leave it at that and I'll, I'll hand it to you to wrap it up and say goodbye. Well, I think Unless there's something else. that'll do it for today. Well, the only other one that I had on the list was uh, when someone's being rude to service people. Oh, you want to bring that up because that's something that makes me not look good. Well, I, I do mean, get involved. You, yeah, you do get involved. And I'm, I don't think it's necessarily wrong to get involved. But when it goes from them being the loudest voice in the room to then you. I get very upset. So, you know, when people mistreat service people and i do too and i have said things when they are entitled on many occasions and don't you dare mistreat that developmentally disabled person at Publix because i will absolutely lose my shit in the middle of the grocery store and everyone will see it some things are just rude and yeah you know you shouldn't treat people like that well there's rude and then there's unacceptable there's there's bullying so somebody being rude that's fine but there was a situation i think in a steinmart or a tj maxx or some discount store and we were in line and the woman <laughs> yeah. was yelling at the cashier and, and she got very personal. She started screaming at her about how stupid her eyebrows looked. And she said, oh, don't you speak English? And she she was just yeah, so see, condescending. Nowadays, someone would have recorded that and the whole thing would have gone viral. Yeah. And that lady would have lost her job, gotten a divorce. Right. like. But instead, completely destroyed. I said, I don't know what your problem is. Maybe your estrogen patch fell off or something, but your behavior is totally unacceptable and embarrassing to everyone here other than you, apparently, because you're just continuing with it. But we are all embarrassed for you, ma'am. So please stop talking to her that way. Yeah. Get what you need to get done and leave. And she was really shocked that I would say something. But the fact that she didn't have any power over me. She didn't say a word back, did she? Well, yeah, you that's were afraid the, it was like I was going to get punched. Yeah, and I was like, no, no, she's a bully. She, she doesn't want any of this. That's the thing is that when you're just berating someone because you think you can. Because you think you have power over them. Because they're at work. Right. That's just not. That's a punk move. You, you don't. And I'm going to educate you. If you're going to be an asshole, do it on a level playing field. And you know what? If she would have punched me, it would have been worth it. I would not have learned my lesson. And I would continue to butt my nose into those situations. Otherwise, I don't snitch on people. I don't judge people. But I really, as you've seen many times, I cannot. I just can't stand by quietly if I see a bully. I can't. I can't handle that. And I won't. So. Be aware. All right, that's it. Now I'm wrapping it up. That didn't make me look as bad as I thought. Mm. A little crazy, a little confrontational, well, but for a good cause. Yeah, I'd like to think more people would get involved in something, you know, because most of us have been there in Being one way or another. Being bullied in some yeah, way I at mean, work yeah, or whatever. Right. Anyone yeah. who's worked food, retail, you know, been in high school, like right. it, this happens to everybody. Yeah, that seems like a good place to turn it off. So what a high energy goodbye. Peace and love and think about what you would do. Please make sure to download and listen to SOB on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production.